0: Hey, what's up there, podcast listeners? Surprise, surprise, throwing a brand new episode of Surf Splendor at you. Completely unscheduled. Um, As I was watching the Hurley Lowers Pro wrap up yesterday, I thought to myself, man, I'd really like to discuss this with Scott Bass. So sent him an email. He replied back, said, let's do it tomorrow morning. And boom, within 24 hours, we have the episode posted. So um, for those of you who don't know scott bass has his own podcast called down the line and we got together recently and did a co-host kind of simulcast pro, um, podcast and it was very well received we're planning to do more in the future probably at least once a month stay tuned for those but this episode is just kind of a one-off hurley lowers pro recap so um if, you, if you're new to our show, Surf Splendor, you can find past episodes on iTunes and Stitcher and also on our website. Everything is archived for free. It's surfsplendorpodcast.com. And then we always continue the conversation on social media at Surf Splendor. So find us there. Chime in. Give us your feedback and your show ideas. And um, other than that, we'll be bringing you episodes every other Monday and throwing bonus episodes at you in between like this. So without further ado, here's today's show. Thanks.
1: Hey, down the line, Surf Talk Radio. It is uh, September 19th, 2013, and we've got a post Hurley (laughs) Pro Lowers uh, event um, Surf Talk for you. And of course i joined by my friend David Lee Scales from Surf Splendor and surfsplendor.com. And David has his own podcast and I'll let David kind of speak to that a little bit.
0: Yeah, it's actually surfsplendorpodcast.com is the website. Somebody else completely unrelated has Surf Splendor for some reason. I have no idea what they're doing with it. But um, yeah, so we're revisiting a format that we tried a couple of weeks ago, which is a simulcast of both of our shows. Um, and I should say the response was good for me. How did you feel about it? Yeah, no. Okay.
1: Totally agree, David. Yeah, the response was great. Um, All I've been getting is we need more of it.
0: Yeah, Um, I kind of got the same thing. And I think my I wanted to basically glean some of your fan base, obviously, because you've been doing this for a long time. And, um, And I did. And I think that worked out really well. They came over. They've listened to back episodes, and I've gotten good response from it. So I appreciate everybody doing that. But they also, a lot of my fans commented that they liked having it be conversational you know hot topics you and i talking back and forth so i look forward to doing that again but this particular episode we decided we just wanted to recap the hurley pro so we'll revisit the idea of surf news in the next week or two and bring you guys that episode but um the hurley pro stands alone you know it's worth doing an episode just based on that so that's why we're here
1: Cool. All right. So surfsplendorpodcast.com and downthelineradio.com. And of course you can catch down the line on iTunes by doing a keyword search for down the line. Uh, is Surf Splendor on iTunes?
0: It's on iTunes and Stitcher are the main two. It's on a few others also. And then also on our website, surfsplendorpodcast.com. Everything's on there. It's all archived. Every, you know, back episodes are free, all that stuff.
1: Twitter, Instagram, the whole deal. At
0: Surf Splendor.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I actually have a uh, quite a few emails about the last um episode we did over a month ago but i think i'll just hold off on that until uh, okay. the next time we wrap yeah it up. sounds
0: good um but there we talked about the upcoming hurley pro at the time when we had our last episode yeah so i think it's revisiting worth revisiting kind of what we discussed then and how that all played out in this event please enlighten me i forgot what we said <laughs> I'm not sure what went down. Well, I mean, we were discussing the mm-hmm. rankings leading into it. I mentioned, you know, Ace was coming off a win and he tends to do good out there. That was completely wrong. He lost in the second round. Um, you mentioned in reference to Ace, Nat Young as being kind of a similar style, but he, he's he been doing really well. I think he lost in round three. It was really a lot of upsets and really the event went completely differently than I expected. My fantasy team got wrecked by round three. Like, literally the worst score I've ever had in fantasy. How many points did you have in fantasy? 610.
1: I had 730 points. Okay. But you were right. Um, You know, the the contest didn't sort of go as planned, as the so-called experts like you and I thought. Of course, a lot of that had to do with the lackluster surf. Yeah. That was really sort of, in my eyes, the overarching um, sort of storyline, if you will, was that the waves just weren't that good. And it was unfortunate. It made for a little bit of some you know, rather dry viewing at times. Um, sure. There were certainly moments, especially during the round uh, four heats. Is that the three-man heats, round four? Yeah. When um, there was some really exciting stuff going down. But um, I don't know if, what your thoughts are on, the, um, so, on that as a storyline, the lack of surf and, of course, Mother Nature. You know, it, it is what it is.
0: It is what it is, and it is a storyline, but I'm not against it because I feel like we've been blessed with fantastic waves almost for years on end. And... That I think is, is, um, remarkable in and of itself, you know, because we all know from surfing and certainly the ASPs kind of fine tuned their windows now with swell for certain regions and we got it pretty dialed, but even still it is mother nature and you're going to get stuck with dry spells, you know, and in California, we literally had two months worth of dry spell leading up to this event. And so, um, had the event been planned during that time, it would have been even worse
1: so, yeah, you're right. And, and in many ways, the lack of surf and the results that followed sort of make for an exciting three events to come because it yeah. really kind of jumbled up the ratings and where we're at. And it, I was I got to say, I was glad to see that if Kelly Slater went down and Joel went down and Mick then went down, that was a good thing that all three of sort of the main players went down. It, it would have been unfortunate for the waves to have had um, sort of an impact on the world tour.
0: That's for sure. Um, but I don't know how much we can blame Kelly Slater's loss and even Joel's loss on the waves themselves because, of course, the guys they're competing against were met with that same, you know, stumble or that same speed bump. Good point. So, but I agree that I'm glad that they all faltered so it continues to make the race tight. I think it speaks to Kelly Slater's mythical kind of aura that cards always fall in his favor even when he you know loses in round three the other guys seem to falter on the opportunity and don't capitalize and we've seen that happen time and time again and uh i mean i was for sure like when he lost round three i'm like oh man guy shot himself in the foot world title race is blown open now and then it just you know back the cards back are are back in his hand again so um i don't know that's remarkable you know yeah,
1: it is. Um, some of the other themes that ran through the event, of course, the sort of hometown hero theme with Pat Godowskis really coming on strong, um, a guy who I think was off the tour and was first alternate. Is that correct? You know, the exact nature of where he stood. He wasn't a wild card, uh, an injury wild card. He was a guy that was number 35 or something like that. Like he was that first guy that got yeah, to and. um You know, that was neat to see there was, you know, that was sort of a neat storyline to see Pat, San Clemente guy, have all his people down on the beach, his family there. I know the family relatively well. And, um, you know, that was sort of a neat thing.
0: I think it's rad. I mean, obviously, it's really cool just to see that amount of energy and then you want to get behind it as well and root for the underdog. Um, And I like Pat a lot and I like his surfing a lot. He never did anything throughout the event that blew my mind. I think he competed really well and he took advantage of Kelly when he needed to, you know. Um, so I, I'm a fan and I want to see him on tour again, actually. So I'm glad that he pushed through. But um, when you look back at the event and think about waves that stood out, there's a couple of guys who really stood out and Pat wasn't necessarily one of them, you know. I think the, the heat with Kelly in particular, Kelly got in the broadcast booth after that and he called a heat and he was essentially complaining that they overscored Pat on that eight five, you know, and I went back and watched it and it's like, yeah, maybe they did. Maybe they didn't. But you look at Kelly seven one and that should have been a five. You know, he did two little squirts at the beginning and then a little air reverse at the end, and they gave him a 7-1 over it, and it's like, dude, that was way overscored. Pat certainly got the best wave of the heat. He got the two best waves of the heat, and he should have won that heat, and he did, you know? So, what do you think about scoring, though? Like, I I honestly, I've had complaints at different times about scoring. I think, by and large, the people who made it through their heats should have made it through their heats, and in that to that point, scoring was fine. But if you get on Twitter or read comment boards or whatever, people are really critical of the scoring. Did you have an opinion about that? Um, I do, but let, let me back
1: up and yeah, say yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, sure. I, um, I, I, Pat Godauskas is a friend of mine. I've gone on surf trips with Pat Godowskis. He's a great guy. Uh, I, I will say on record that I don't necessarily... Um, think that Pat should be on tour. I don't think he shouldn't be on tour, but he's not like must watch TV mm. for me. He's just um, sort of that bottom tier that we talked about last time. Right. That's like, okay, yeah, um, really, I gotta, hold on, Pat Godowskis is in the heat, let me stop everything. Right. That's not how it is. And again, I like Pat, he's a great surfer, super good guy, very optimistic. This isn't, <clears throat> um, I'm not condemning Pat as a person. I'm just saying that I'm not convinced that he's at that top level you know, the top five guys and, and I think that most people would agree with that. Um regarding the scoring, it's what makes it's one of the things that makes pro surfing so much fun is that there is this subjective sort of level. Um and it allows for us to be armchair quarterbacks and it allows for us to go, Are you kidding me? Are you, you know? But by and large I think that they get it right. Certainly you can nitpick and You know, pull certain heats out and go, you know what, maybe not. But um, I'd I'd say, again, by and large, that the judges do a a pretty damn good job. And I didn't see anything that was glaring. The final heat, I will say the final heat, um, I thought perhaps uh, Taj might have been overscored a little bit. Do you think he deserved to win the heat? I thought it was really, really close. Really? I thought it was pretty damn close. The one big left that he got early was really spectacular. Just really good flow. And, you know, he was dry. Everything was just... There was no, like, transitional check turns. It was just all real positive and moving forward. Um, I just found it to be a very, very close heat. Um, I was surprised that, you know...
0: Well, you have, again, the thing that we talked about last time and comes up during the webcast, um, the commentators talk about it, which is... We just saw Julian come off of a blazing heat the night before, and so, sorry, so you're expecting that kind of a performance from him, and then if he does anything less, it's kind of like the scores reflect it, you know. And so, and and that conversation comes up when people talk about peaking too. You know, you want to bring your A game kind of when it matters most, and Taj did that to an extent, but I don't know. I think if you go back and watch the Heat, it is close. And if you're gonna leave it in the judge's hands, then you can't complain. And I think Todd did edge him out a little bit, you know? Um, I will
1: say this, when you have windswell like we had yesterday, um, the lefts are generally better at lowers. So you, we really need a strong south swell for those rights to have a wall and to connect all the way through. And the, the lefts, again, generally on a northwest windswell, which is what I believe that they were getting most of. Mm-hmm. Um, the lefts generally have more speed and have a little bit more wall and Taj uses those to his advantage.
0: Right. So speaking of peaking though, um, I feel like in previous events, I've been critical of Taj for peaking, like coming out of the gates on fire, like posting eights and nines in round one, two and three. And by the time he gets to the quarters, he's posting 14 point heat totals, you know, and, um, And then that's when he loses, Is in the quarters generally, he's perpetually fifth place, you know? And so this was an event where I felt like he came out just surfing kind of almost understatedly, moved through a couple of heats, just kind of like we expect him to, but then brought his A game later in the event. Um, Another performance that I thought, like I watched um, CJ match up against Gabriel Medina, and Gabriel Medina was on my fantasy team, and I was like, all right, he's going to blow up, especially in small waves. He can do crazy airs. And he didn't. He ended up losing to CJ, and he went right a bunch of times. He didn't do a single air in the heat. And as I was watching that heat, I literally thought to myself, he's trying not to peak too early, or he's he doesn't want the judges to see crazy aerials right now because he wants to do those in the final so that they'll get high scores in the final. If the judges see it all right now, then maybe they won't score him as highly during the final. So I thought he was a shoe in for the final series, the quarters and on. And I feel like he went out in that heat and just goes, I'm going to post some sevens doing backside turns, take out CJ and then reserve my best surfing for later in the event. It ended up working against him in a buzzer beater that CJ got and he surfed really horizontally and they gave him a seven, which I thought was questionable, but... I don't know, you know, it, it's fine. Um, but I feel like that worked against, I, I don't know that that was Gabriel's strategy. It's just, I've never seen him not do an air and a heat, especially at lowers. And I thought that that was really odd, you know? So um, I don't know. Well, that's
1: some great insight. I, I, I did not see that heat, um, but that certainly is interesting insight, David, for sure. You know, do some of these guys hold back, understanding that, hey, I really need to kind of, my last flare up during the last heat and i think that's probably the case Uh, i can't speak for what happened as 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 you mentioned so um you know one of the things um one of the things that i find interesting about taj is that this win seems to be um i've always taj has said on record that he doesn't care about being a world champion and he sort of said it in um you know when somebody was hounding him about, hey, you know, is it your time? You know, you know, Joel's won, Mick's won. You're, you're pegged to win. Are you going to win? And Taj has always been sort of like that video guy. And, again, he said on the record that he doesn't care about world championships. Now, I'm sure that's not how he really felt. Maybe yeah. somebody caught him at a weird time. But I certainly sense that um, fifth, he's happy with fifth place. And um, I'm wondering if you think that Taj Burrow has a true um, world champion uh, Moxie and has that kind of mental getup. We know he has game. His video segments prove it. His videos prove it. Yeah. Great free surfer. Great surfer. Great person. I've interviewed him. Not Again, I'm not here to bag on Taj, but I'm wondering mentally, do you think that he has what it takes to be a world champion?
0: Uh, probably not. And I don't know what it takes to be a world champion, obviously. And I don't, but, uh, and I'm not like, a competitor by nature, but just from watching the sport and watching sports in general, um, talent only takes you so far, you know? And from that point on, it's all about drive. And it doesn't matter what sport you're in. I think that if you don't have killer instinct, you're not gonna lead the ratings and you're not gonna um, be able to push past guys like Mick who is cutthroat? You know Mick or or Kelly would be the best, best example. Obviously, um, I don't think Taj has that killer instinct, and I think that his skill alone has kept him in that fifth place spot. I guess there's an element of luck always involved, and if the cards fell in the right place, that he could ultimately win a world title. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's a long season, and you have to really be with your get your foot on the gas pedal throughout the season. And I don't see Taj being that guy. I think he brought 110% into this event in a way that we hadn't seen him do before. And he's been competing there for a while. And I think it's a title that he really wanted. And, you know, I read in a lot of the stuff yesterday that he showed up for the event a month in advance. He got 18 brand new boards from Mayhem. He hadn't had a drop of alcohol or beer in three weeks. You know, his trainers there with him. Juicy. Did he go to
1: jail? <laughs> <laughs> that's like one of those things where it's like, yeah, and he didn't go to jail. Well, no kidding. You're not supposed to go to jail <laughs> and you really shouldn't be drinking alcohol if you're a professional athlete. But, you
0: know. Yeah, no, but, but that's still, it's a different, a different tactic for him, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so I think that that showed in his uh, performance and, uh, and so I like that about, I like that. I wanted Taj to win. You know, it's like he wasn't, I didn't pick him on my fantasy team and I I wouldn't have, uh, I have other guys I would like to have seen win, but the fact that he won, I'm happy about it. He deserves to win. He's a great. Yeah, great you singer. know, he
1: sort of reminds me of, um, I don't know if you follow golf, but he sort of reminds me of Phil Mickelson. Like he's just sort of happy to be on tour. He's just, yeah. he's got all the talent in the world and he can win events uh, very, very easily. Um, but he's just sort of like, cool, man, yeah, I'm, I'm, I I've made the finals or I won the event. Whereas you look at a guy like Julian, you can sense in Julian that he's got a killer instinct. And all the great surfers do, the great competitive surfers, the Rabbit Bartholomews, the McFannings, the Kelly Slaters. These guys, and I, I even question Parko. He's just so talented yeah, that he yeah. has to win. Um, but I just don't think that Taj has that, fun, that killer instinct that it takes to be a, a world champion.
0: I got a question for you. Um, I want to, I'm curious about coaching. You know, the, the whole coaching thing really intrigues me a lot. Um, and I'm not against it. I don't know that I've really formed an opinion about it yet. I think I'd like to talk to some coaches to really get a, a feel for it, but it's kind of like how, and they always talk about strategy, right? I'm, I'm, Wondering how much strategy really can you apply in this game? I think that the, the game is always changing. And so you can have strategies that are beneficial in given situations. My argument is, do you ever know which situation that you're in and which strategy to apply? Because they'll come up, you know, Parsons and Chloe, let's come up with a strategy before the heat. They go out there, but if the waves change... It's now a different strategy. And you'll see time and time again, Kelly Slater paddles out and he likes to be aggressive. He gets the first wave of the heat and gets busy and, and uh, just gets scores on the board. Okay, that's a great strategy. People start doing that. Well, then Kelly mixes it up and he just waits out the back for a set wave. And now that strategy works better. And so, um, you know, I just question the value of judging in a game that is, I don't know, ever-changing and where... I think instinct matters more than anything. And it's constantly been proven that you'll hear stories of Tom Curran, the when he paddles out, the perfect wave comes to him. And when Kelly paddles out, the perfect wave comes to him. Those guys who are just so in tune with the ocean that they have that kind of, um, that otherworldly nature where good things happen to them and things gravitate towards them. I feel like that is more important than any strategy or that you can, uh, impose upon mother nature or your, your opponent, you know, and also if you're up in your head with the strategy, you're almost deflecting that other special thing that can happen when you're in, when you're connected with the ocean like that, you know? Yeah. There's, there is a fine
1: line. And I, I personally feel like you don't want to micromanage your heat. Like yeah. it's not brain surgery. You know, it's basically like, look, the left's are better. Go out and get the good lefts. If the tide comes in and we know that the rights then start to run on the cobblestones and the tide's coming in, be on the lookout for the right. But, you know, I want you to go out and get three solid lefts, two solid lefts, whatever it is. Let's not, you know, overly manage. And I think that, you know, there's been some talk that perhaps that was happening last year with Kolohe, that he was being micromanaged. And, uh, you know, if you do micromanage, you you sort of lose that spontaneity. You lose some of what you're talking about. You know, you lose the ability to just kind of... I mean, we all know that we surf our best when we're relaxed. And if you've got 17,000 things, it's kind of like... Again, I'll use a golf analogy. If you have a bunch of swing thoughts, you're not going to hit the ball good. You just need one thought. Go out and have fun. Surf those lefts. It's not brain surgery. You do this every day. And you never apply a strategy, you know, on a daily basis. So why are we overthinking it now?
0: Or it's good to understand all that strategy in advance, but then I think the trick is like in golf, you know, when you're learning the mechanics of the swing in advance, but by the time you step up to the ball, forget everything, you know, and just let muscle memory take over. I think that might be the strategy with surfing too. It's like, once you hit the water, let it all go and just surf. Yeah, and I think there are some, you know, it's good to sort of have
1: like a, a handler, if you will, or a coach or your trainer or whatever, moniker you want to put on the person but that person needs to be somebody that obviously that um, you know that you have sort of a special relationship with that, that'll fire you up that knows you well enough to kind of go hey man I, I'm gonna leave you alone right now because I can tell you're in that space or you need to be fired up or you know do this do that I think it's important to have that guy um, but that guy can't be like paternal you know in right. his in his um, sort of overarching vibe over the, the competitor he just needs to be more uh, one-on-one, equal, and j- just know you well enough to, to get you psyched and, and go get him.
0: I don't know them personally, but it seems like that's what Stephen Bell is to Kelly Slater. I've never heard anybody refer to Stephen Bell as being like, you know, an athletic trainer or a coach in that respect. He's just kind of like, he'll take care of the details, make sure you got your rental car and the he's right a, food. He's like a
1: caddy. He's like a yeah. great caddy. Like the great golfers have that guy that, in fact... Phil Mickelson has that <laughs> bones as his caddy and bell, bellies
0: like that. Yeah. You're right. And so I think if you were to design a matrix, you know, a matrix, if um, Dave Stansfield got all of his statistics, you know, and made a matrix of number of heat wins and the amount of handlers you have around you, a coach and a trainer and all these things, I don't think that that, that matrix would show that heat wins relate. Or correspond to um, having more people involved in in your crowd, in your uh, entourage, helping you along the way. You know what I mean? It's weird. It's like, and maybe it will in the future. Maybe we're in a growing curve right now where we're working out some of those details as to how the handlers um, are best used. And 10 years from now, they'll be really fine-tuned and they'll allow people to just show up at an event and surf their best. But right now, it's like, I don't know, man. I don't know. Like, I really think it does take you out of the game from being able to just go out and shred.
2: When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. And there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn jobs
0: Go to lips dot com now. That's L I B S Y N ads dot com.
1: So Well, I would agree, and, and um let me ask you this. Um, you know, Taj, Julian in the final, if you look at both of those surfers and um you wanted your kid to surf like one of those guys, which guy would it be? Julian. So Julian in my mind wins the heat. <laughs> because I would agree with you. I know I know that's a lot yeah, yeah, you're yeah. rolling your eyes and and I guess that gets to the whole subjective side of it. It's like, to me, it's like, really, can, if there's a guy that surfs way better than the other guy, uh, I'm not saying that Julian surfs way better than right. Taj. But if it's obvious to you as, as a guy who sits on the beach, like you and I sitting on the beach going, God, I'd love for my kid to surf like Julian way more than Taj, for whatever reason. It's usually a stylistic thing. Um, you know, to me, that's that says a lot, you know. I, and I don't know exactly what point I'm trying to make other than, You know, we all want our kid to surf like Kelly or Julian. And there's some guys like, I don't want my kid necessarily to surf like Pat Godowskis.
0: Well, it's kind of a loaded question because who do I want my kid to surf like is a different question than who should win this contest.
1: But he's already, I mean, you're right. I mean, it's it's sort of a, I'm I'm taking us down a silly road. But I just want to make the point that the subjective nature of surfing is such that you know, when we, uh, when we look at these two guys and we can ask ourselves, well, which guy would you rather surf like? Which, that's basically you're saying which guy is the better surfer in your mind.
0: Well, if you look back at the event and say who were the best surfers of the event, I think almost unequivocally everybody would say Julian was the best surfer of the event. Absolutely. Who won the final heat? It's a different question. I think um, for me, the standouts of the event were Julian, Jordy. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And then Michelle Beres. Yeah. Which I wouldn't have bet on early on, and Felipe Toledo, you know mm. what I mean? Like those guys, to me, I look back at waves that stood out in the event, and they had the standout waves. Yeah, Julian had more of them across a variety of different conditions. Therefore, he was the surfer of the event. But um, well,
1: but, that's an interesting four that you. I mean, that makes tons of sense. Jordy and Julian, for sure, in my eyes, were yeah. just sort of. Um, heads above everybody else for whatever reason. They looked lighter. They looked... You know, there was a term that they were using the broadcasters. I think it was spark, right? Right, right. So those guys sort of had the spark, I would suggest to you.
0: Yeah, and I think the surprise guys that we didn't expect to stand out are worth discussing because a couple of their names came up in our last discussion where we were saying guys who you were mentioning that you don't care if they requalified or not. Yeah. Those names are Travis Logie. Yes. Dang. I mean, I think he made quarters or something took out Mick.
1: He's always good for one surprise a year where he's just... And I always toy with him on my fantasy team and yeah. did, did so this morning. Took him on,
0: took him off, took him on, took him off. So yeah, Trav. So Trav was a surprise winner. Kai Otten, Pat Godowskis, obviously. And then one who I really like is Adam Melling.
1: Yes, Adam Melling's always been a guy that I've been a fan of. As He's always been a guy I've thrown. He's a value on a fantasy team. Yeah. And Kai Otten was a, uh, to me, he was the surprise of the event. Kai Otten's a guy that you expect to do well in meaty, chunky left barrels. and, um, And for him to be so sort of sprightly at super small, crappy lowers was the big surprise.
0: Well, last time you also mentioned about kind of an alternative competitive concept where it's like boxing, where it's just the best guys against the best guys. We don't need the bottom half of the tour. Let's just figure out a scenario where we can just pit a-level versus A-level. And I think that that would be really interesting to see. But the thing I like about this current format is seeing guys like I just named, you know, upset the field. Um, and we all like rooting for an underdog, you know. And Travis Logie, while I didn't have him on my team, I found myself rooting for him against guys who were on my team. Because it's just the underdog story is interesting and it's cool. And it... I honestly think that it improves Kelly Slater's game and Mick's game and Joel's game. Because if they're just competing against each other, it's going to limit their growth potential. When they have to then compete against this wiry little rabbit who can post a nine doing a couple backside turns, it's like... They have to um, make their game more diverse, right? You know? And
1: I I agree with you that it's important to have, for lack of a better phrase, wild cards. But let's take the top guys and then throw wild cards at them, like we already do. Um, for instance, at J Bay, you can always count on the J Bay local guy to like to really scare the crap out of out of the you know Kelly or Andy or whoever it is. In um, Tahiti, the same thing. Those wild cards can go all the way through the event and win it. And and the thing that's neat about having wildcards that aren't on tour all season long to qualify, so it's a regional event by event local wild card that gets put into the event. He has nothing to lose, so he can go out there and actually put extra pressure, kind of like what Dane Reynolds does. When Dane surfs and he does a wild card, it's like, dude, I'm just going to bust errors if I make them, I advance. If I don't, I go drink a beer. Right. And so to have almost, um, you know, an extra emphasis on on. Truly being a wild card, as opposed to the bottom tier guys who are like, well, I need to get through this heat so I can make some points so I can stay on tour forever. You know, so if we eliminate that and include like truly wild cards, that this is your
0: chance, dude, go out and you better light it up. You know, it's sort of exciting. It's super exciting. I think the problem or the potential problem with that scenario is that competing is an animal all its own. And so for that wild card who doesn't have a uh, history of competing... They put on a jersey and they go out and they can't perform,
1: you know? I I, I would I think maybe, you know, there's a lot to be said. I think you, what you're saying is correct. However, I would suggest to you that um, some of the other events have proven that not to be the case. Sure. Like, like the guys that are going to be the wildcards are going to have a, a, a history of amateur surfing and competition. True. They're going to have a history of being on the ASP Pro Junior. They're not going to just be like, you know... Truly like the local guy that rips, that never right, surfs right. in a contest. They're going to be guys that have got some competitive chops.
0: Yeah, that's true. Um, speaking of, of wild cards, Dane Reynolds losing in round two. How'd you feel about that?
1: I could care less, or I could not care less, I guess is I'm the right I'm glad you
0: corrected that. That's yeah. one of my pet peeves. I know,
1: Dave. my wife corrects me on that all the I could <laughs> not care less. There's none less that I could care. Um, you know, Dane Reynolds, um, he just... He's one of those guys that if he doesn't care, I don't care. You know? Yeah. Could he be the best surfer in the world? Maybe. Is he the best surfer in the world? Probably. I love watching him. I think he's got the best style. I think he's great. I just wish that um, he didn't have the mental attitude that he has about it. Because he's a guy that he's that guy that was given everything and then just kind of went, whatever. I don't care. It doesn't mean that much to me. Yeah. And, you know, some people say, hey, more power to you. and And I'm kind of like that, too. But if that's the case, then leave. Beat it, don't take the wild card. Yeah, just and don't even like, you know, just Yeah. Don't be a pro surfer if you don't give a shit about it.
0: I um I like that when he when he does well, he does really well, and we all love that. And then when he does poorly, he does really, really poorly. You know, it's like it's either first place or last place. It's either posting eights and nines or twos and threes. And that's funny to me. Yeah, uh, it is. I, I like the comedy. It in that. is.
1: It, it, you're right, and I shouldn't get too caught up. in No, that. but I, you're, I, you're. I just, valid. you know, the thing is, is that I'm a fan, and I know he's got so much potential, and I'm his biggest fan. And right. I just think, from a free surfing standpoint, especially, he's just, he's just incredible, and it just, you know, it's like I said, it just kind of bums me out that sometimes he's there, sometimes he's not, and he's kind of like laissez faire or whatever, and um, I don't know. It was frustrating. He's believe me, he's always on my fantasy team. When he, I'll put him for a buck fifty, or you know, I actually a million five. He's worth it every time. I
0: didn't put him on my team, and instead put Mitch Cruz for the same price. <laughs> well yeah, i know
1: mitch Cruz actually does some damage
0: so mitch Cruz on the qs has been on fire this year and he's wiry and i'm like the waves are gonna be small dude he's gonna bring it yeah like, I just what thought, happened to mitch Cruz? yeah he lost in the second round of course but i just thought it was worth a gamble yeah and again the options were at that 1.5 million range on fantasy team who do you pick and i bet against dane but you know whatever um did you see the article that we, we'd Previously, had talked about Rayoni Montiero. You mentioned his name randomly. Yeah. Not being interested in watching him surf. Yeah. Did you see the article that Surfer Magazine or surfermag.com, I think put out right before the event? No. Okay. They posted this article um, about see,
1: backstory though. He's the one that hurt himself at at Cloudbreak or Chopu, right? Last, last year, the big cloud, massive break. swell. Yeah.
0: Okay. Go and ahead. Um, he's been sponsorless for a couple of years. And he's had an injury wild card, right? Because of that, he right? has. Yeah. And then he didn't show up in um, Tahiti and everybody just assumed it was for that same reason. So Surfer Mag did this article with him in this interview and basically the story was it wasn't that he was injured. It was that he couldn't afford to go to Tahiti. He's got a spot on the top 32. He's a professional surfer on the elite tour, but he can't afford to travel. He doesn't have a sponsor. And, um, and so I guess he called Hurley about this event, and they were able to come up with some money and help him out, and I guess his dad helped him out a little bit to buy him the plane ticket, rental car, and accommodation uh, just to come and compete in this event. And they gave the numbers, and it was like, look, if you get last place, you make about eight thousand bucks after taxes. It's about six thousand bucks. It's enough for the trip, but to be away from home and to be. You know, you could be working at home potentially. And so it's not really enough money to pay for your family and all that sort of thing. And it was a really uh, endearing article. And and uh, I came out of that article with a newfound sympathy for him. But he still lost in round two in this event and almost looked like he didn't deserve to be there, you know? So, um, But I thought the article was really interesting. And a lot of the pr- uh, the pros were talking about it. And the question is just like, look... If you get last place in, on the golf tour, you're still making hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know? I don't know about that. But okay, well... It, I mean, you got to qualify. There's
1: guys that grind it out. that are driving from event to event in the web.com mini tour just yeah, trying yeah. to
0: qualify. So in this scenario where there's 32 elite pro surfers, yeah. shouldn't they be making enough money to at least be able to travel to their events? Well, you know? it, look,
1: you would think that that's the case, yeah. right? And um, it sounds like a great article. Uh, but to your point, you know, the market will bear what the market will bear.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
1: And if if we can't afford it, then maybe you know that speaks a lot to the state of the industry right now. It says more about the state of the industry than it does about Rayoni and his abilities. We know he's a great surfer. Um, you know. Yeah. No. I don't know what to tell you on that except for you know, make some money and make it happen, or for, or leave your dream behind. You know. And if you've got a bunch of kids or whatever, I'm, you know, unfortunately, maybe it's your time's over.
0: Right. No, I agree, though, that it does point to the industry and how the industry is um, managing its income and and divvying it out among the athletes. And I think that the new ASP is trying to make it more profitable for the athletes by giving them retirement plans and things like that. So I think that that's good, but the article did bring up a lot of that. I think you, you hit it on the head with that. And I think that is interesting for sure.
1: I mean, I, I don't know if I necessarily... Uh, you know, I have way more empathy for like the struggling, you know, army sergeant that's, you know, just trying to get by. Yeah. Than, than struggling Rand. teachers. Yeah. There's a lot more, yeah. you know, struggling coal miner guy whatever. I, You know, it's hard to have a lot of sympathy for a guy who's complaining that he can't get the funds together to be on tour.
0: A lot of the comment sections were mentioning that as well. And when you do the math... You know, six thousand bucks per event times however many events. It's enough money to make it around the world, and and especially if you're living in Brazil. You know, I guess it's not as expensive to live there as like Southern California, I guess. But um, but yeah, I agree with you. The market will bear what the market will bear. You know, it's like I don't expect him to get any handouts from anybody. I think that you know, if you're selling board shorts for companies, they will they will pay you to do it.
1: And there, and there's only a few guys that are selling board shorts for companies, but you know, on sort of a bigger um, 30,000 foot level, you know, you're right. The ASP needs and is actively pursuing non-endemic companies to come under, to, you know, bring some dollars to to the tour. Mm-hmm. You know, Vans and Billabong and Quicksilver and Hurley can only do so much. And I by agree. the way, they do a lot. They do For a lot sure. more than people think. And anyone that sort of poo-poos what they're doing doesn't realize that they're putting back. Sure, they're getting, you know, they're, they're
0: getting back as well. Um, but you know, they can only do so much. I think Hurley did a great job with this event along those lines. Um, I think they put on fantastic events. They do. I think the only webcasts that I prefer are Volcom's because they're fun and their commentators like Wassel are amazing. Um, but Hurley does a great job for the athletes and for the fans as well.
1: Yeah. I, you know, you, you can't go wrong when you have a company that's run by a lifelong surfer and that's Bob Hurley and he they always do I've had the pleasure of being involved with the US Open with the Hurley clan and it was awesome and they go all out I mean they take care how many times have we seen him go you know what I'm doubling the prize purse unbelievable you know, like, you know yeah. I mean he he's a giver and, and it flows through his organization to um, Pat O'Connell and Evan Slater and um, Machado and all the guys—they—they they all. You know, Hurley is is top
0: notch. I agree. They're doing a fantastic job. Let's talk real quick about the webcast itself and the commentators. Um, what's the deal on day one of the webcast? There's a bunch of glitches and it wasn't working for the first half of the day. Did you experience that? No, I was busy. What? What? what I for whatever reason I had to work. Technical difficulties on the webcast. Oh yeah. You're watching leading up it's like 7 30 call time event starts at eight o'clock tune in at eight o'clock webcast doesn't work and Hmm. it's down for the first half of the day i i think that we should be beyond that at this point you know i just can't believe that that happens and we're we're that invested in it and then it just simply doesn't work i don't know who's responsible for that or what the technical difficulties were but that i think is unacceptable
1: Yeah, Yeah. I I would agree with you. I'm not sure what the deal is. Um, You know, part of me wants to say, look, logistically, you know, they got to run a T1 line all the way out to the cobblestone point there. And it's real easy for, you know, a vehicle to run over a wire and unplug this and unplug that. It's it's not quite as uh, the infrastructure that, say, is right there at Huntington Beach or some other venues. Um, So... But you're right. You would think they tested it and they had contingency yeah. plans, and when something did go down, they had it set up so they'd be right back up within five minutes or whatnot. And um, that's an unfortunate situation. And I'm sure it's one that um, those guys and Paul Speaker at the ASP, you know, don't want to see uh, ever again.
0: Yeah, I'm sure. What do you, um, what do you feel about the commentators? Uh, you know, I.
1: My general feeling on all the commentators is that it's a really tough gig. It's really hard. You know, they've got a ton of time to fill up, especially when the waves are crappy. Um, but I always feel like the commentating can be better. Um, I don't know what that means. It's, it's just a tough gig. I mean, you've got eight hours of, or more every day to fill out. Um, so I just don't think there's a solution. You know what I mean? It's, I, it's not I, like you have two hours where you can go, let's get John McEnroe in there with Bob Costas or whoever and bang out two hours and I can handle, you're going to get sick of Bob Costas and John McEnroe after eight hours too. It's just, it is what it is. You just get sick of it,
0: you know? That's true. I, I don't have a solution and I hate to, you know, just point out flaws and not offer any guidance or solution to yeah. it, but... um yeah, I, and the other I, thing is, is that the guy that you like, I don't like, and the
1: guy that I like, you don't like, and, and I, I like Barton Lynch. Barton Lynch is good. He, he's a little. Um, oh, <laughs> I don't know. I, Barton Lynch is. I don't know what it is about Barton Lynch he's good. He's. They're all good. I, again, I mean, I, I I'm not here to nitpick on each and every yeah. one. Um, Barton Lynch is actually great. You know, let me just say that. I think they're all really, you know. Totally worthy. Yeah, I don't think there's one guy where you go, that guy has to leave. There's a couple. Who? <laughs> give me a name. Get, I don't, let's get dirty. I,
0: I don't want to bag Come anybody. On. All right, dude. Sal Mascala.
1: Okay, you're down on Sal. Why? I don't know. Is Sal, he too bro? bra Does he? It, is it, he too close to the scene? Because that's the one thing that I would say about Sal is that he's almost too smooth. He's almost too like insider. Like he's driving the cart underneath Disney World or something. Like he knows all the back alleys and he knows all the bros and he's. There's I, certainly. You know, the one thing that you're not going to get from Sal is, um, you know what, he totally choked right there. You know, he's just too friendly with all the guys, you know. And that's the thing that that um, a John McEnroe or um, who's the Johnny Miller, the great golf analyst. Those two guys will go, you know what, that was a total choke right there. I can't believe he did that. Something's, You know, that's that's a big mistake. Those guys will call somebody out. Now, there's... All the surfers are way too close with all the other surfers right. to be that guy. The one guy that would do it occasionally was Brad Gerlach and they kind of got rid of him yeah. for whatever reason. But Brad's a guy that would go, hey, look, I'm just telling you, like, he just dug a rail and that was lame and he shouldn't do that.
0: Jake Patterson does that. In the Jake does events? do that. Jake I, can
1: do that. He's I, good enough to do that. and he has the res- You have to have a guy that's got the respect of everyone to pull that off.
0: True. I like Sal as an individual and I'm not against Sal personally. It's just after listening to, guy- to the guy by the third day... He doesn't provide any insight, you know? And I know that each commentator in the booth has a different job. There's color commentary. There's the stats guy or whatever. But I just feel like he never provides any insight or anything interesting. And you're right. It is all too bro-bra and too um, positive and everything is rainbows and sunshine, you know? Yeah,
1: there's unicorns around every corner. Yeah,
0: yeah. So I'm not huge on that. Um, I liked Todd Klein, too, when he was... I'm, a big, fan. In it. I'm yeah. a big fan
1: of Todd Klein. I think he does a good job.
0: And then um, nobody's better than the guys who are on the tour, obviously. Kelly Slater. Kelly Slater commentary. is the best. It's There's nobody better than Kelly Slater. So insightful. Yeah, you nobody know? better. Watching him call waves and everything, it's yeah. the best. So I don't know, though. I think that the direction of the new ASP is just having universal commentators that aren't related to the individual brands that sponsor the event. And I, I think that would be interesting to see. I don't know who those guys are. Yeah. I don't either, and because it'll be
1: fun to see what happens next year when they implement those. Those guys were definitely all Hurley guys,
0: right? I there's like no Saxon. He does Saxon's a decent, really good. He does a decent job. By the way, job.
1: Sal's good too. I mean, we're just sort of being, my, you know, we're we're really kind of getting into it, and these are just personal preferences, well, you know? of course.
0: And I couldn't do a better job, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, and you're right. It is super hard to fill eight hours, but I just also feel that there's times where I turn down the volume. Yeah. And uh, and I don't know. It's like I'm so. Leading up to the event, I'm so engaged and by the second and third day I'm starting to wane because the commentate commentation's kind of bugging me and the waves are kind of mediocre and you well, know. I've I mean? always so,
1: suggested that what they should have is a button on the webcast browser that you can click and it's called the salty button. And it allows for just salty guys, just like your random guys, to go in there and just start commentating and just let it flow. And you can push the salty button if you want, and it could be really, really bad. Or it could be really good. You could get some really good guys that are just fun, and they're going off, and they don't give a crap about anybody.
0: And you know, they're and you know what? That's an option. The salty button. That's super funny. I I could see Volcom implementing that in one of their webcasts.
1: I don't think um, they and not any of them would because you know the first thing that would come out of the salty button is you know Volcom's lame man. Like, <laughs> there would be a lot of anti. You know, <laughs> it could get ugly. But that's the thing. You know what? It would be entertaining. For
0: sure. So let's look at the ratings. Um, We've got three events coming up. France, which starts September 26th. Portugal and then Pipeline, of course. So Mick Fanning moved up a spot into lead. Kelly dropped a spot into second. Jordy moved up a spot into third. Taj is in fourth. Joel's in fifth. Um, Joel's out of it. Joel's not going to go back-to-back. In my mind,
1: he doesn't have what it takes mentally to go back-to-back he's got his championship it took him forever and he's just going to rest on his laurels that's my gut on that i would watch out for jordy smith the next three events as you know david um the potential for just massive tubes if france is on fire it's going to be a tube fest of course super tubes in portugal is and bill and the pipeline masters is france is really the wild card it could just be rip and tear aerials but we've seen yeah. big 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 tubes at hofsecker so you know, tell me what you think about those three. If they're all three tube riding events of the five guys that you mentioned, um, you know, who do you see?
0: Well, Kelly's got the advantage at Pipe. So. Well, I
1: would say at all three of them, Kelly's got the advantage.
0: Okay. But go ahead. I, I think... I mean, that's an easy
1: one. Maybe that's a softball I just threw yeah, out. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I think Pipe, for sure, Kelly's got the advantage. The other two, I think it's a little bit more of an even playing field. Um I think I'm betting on Kelly for the win at the end of the season, you know, just because how could you bet against him? Yeah, he's He's got that um, magical ability just to, you know, out-compete, basically, and out-surf. Um, I don't know, though. Like, I think Jordy is looking str- really strong, and I could see him winning a world title, whether it's this year or not. I'm not sure that he's strong enough to take it this year. The next... Uh, I don't know. There's a lot of different directions. I don't know. I also don't know that Mick is, I've never, I don't remember his results in in Portugal or France. So for that reason, I'd be surprised if he came out on top there. I think one of the seasons he won, he did really good at the back half of the year, which would say that he did well in France and Portugal. But um, I don't know, man. I I'd, I'd have a hard time betting against Slater at this point. He does well when the pressure's on and now the pressure's on. You
1: know. I would I would agree with you. I think the majority of us would all agree with you that that you know Kelly's the guy to beat, and he's also the guy that we, most of us want to see win. I get the sense that if he wins another world title, he will move on. And, and move, so, what do you mean by that? Retire. Really? Yeah.
0: Twelve is the number. I.
1: I'm just, you know, I've said how many times I've said that I wrote an article back when he won number eight that said, that's it. Don't (laughs) do it. You shouldn't, you know, because if you win nine, then you'll have to win 10, you know, and I, I, so I'm not going to put my foot in my mouth again there, but I think he's done. I mean, he's 41 years old, 12s, you know, good. He's, you know, basically he'll have a ton to do with the tour still sort of in the back rooms, making things happen. It's been said that um, that commissioner position is basically his when he wants it. Um, there'd probably be you know, no greater guy to, to be the commissioner than Kelly. Um, you know, you just got to think, Kelly's the guy. I mean, who are those other guys? I, I do, although I'm not a huge Jordy fan, Jordy just seems on his game. Since he won in Brazil, he just seems kind of like... I mean, he just looked so um, light, and there just didn't seem to be any flaws in Jordy's game there. So
0: Yeah, I'm a huge Jordy fan too. Did you see... Any, the new movie he put out this week? I heard about it via the webcast, but I didn't yeah. see it. It's called Now Now. It was available for one day for free, and now you can download it on iTunes, I guess. Yeah. But um, he does a couple of massive backflips. I, I
1: heard one's just mental.
0: Yeah, best ones we've ever seen. It's all rights in the movie. Like, he just rips some Good. various rights. I, I don't think he goes left Good.
1: Once. We but, stopped going left when I turned 40.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but the, the sheer ability and talent of the guy is... Next level. Yeah. I mean, doing things Kelly Slater and John John don't do, yeah. you know. And so uh, it's great to see him step it up to a new level this year. Being fitter, trimmer than he's ever been before. And I think being on some really good boards has helped him a lot. So, yeah, I think he has the ability to make it into first. But is he going to do well at pipe? Has he ever done well at no, pipe?
1: I think this is a – as I look at your list, David, I see Mick and Kelly. This is a Mick and Kelly game. Jordy Taj, Joel – they're not in the they're not in the equation.
0: I don't know what Josh mathematically if he can um if he's in it, but I could see him doing well at all three of those events.
1: Yeah, and he has, right? I mean, yeah. I know he's done well at pipe and um Josh could be a wild card. I just I don't know, man. Mick Fan and Kelly Slater, those guys just you know, I they just look tight.
0: I, they do. And for this year, I think that's true. I would say let's look for Julian Wilson in the next year or two to to be vying for a world title I think that he has the ability to do it I think another thing that happens with judging and just the the media in general is it's hard to go from last place to first place overnight and what he's done is systematically prove himself time and time again and he's worked his way up we all we all agree that he deserves to be in the top 10 at this point point. and so he's there and he's going to work his way up the ladder by the end of the year. Maybe he'll be top five. And so then in the year after that, the next two years, maybe he can work from five to one, you know, and prove that he deserves to be there. Because he's got the ability, you know. Yeah,
1: for sure. No, I, I would agree with the Julians. you know, he's got to be somebody that's on your short list for next year, for yeah. 2014.
0: Interestingly, he was on JS's at, at Lowers. We've previously seen him riding Mayhems, which is the go-to shaper for the break. It was interesting to see him not ride mayhems you know? look
1: i feel like that there, there needs to be more elite shapers uh, and their boards being ridden you know the reason that there's a ton of ci's and a ton of mayhems is that those guys have the ability to punch out a bunch of free boards and you know give thousands of boards out to the best guys yeah and um it's unfortunate you know there should be other there's so many great shapers that that um should be highlighted you yeah. know like Maurice Cole. It would be great to see some guys writing some Maurice Coles.
0: Taj used to. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I mean, on the level that, like, all you see is, like, C.I. And, I mean, who shapes for C.I.? I don't know. A bunch of guys? <laughs> yeah, exactly. No yeah. one knows. Um, you know, I just think that shapers need to be exalted and lifted up. I, I have a really great um, Matt Biolas mayhem that I love. Yeah. And he's a great shaper. and And it makes sense that guys are winning... It lowers on his equipment and around the world on his equipment i just think it's better for this for you and i if there's more elite shapers um being represented by the pro surfers on tour yeah there's only like three or four right and there's you know thousands of incredible shapers you know yeah for in sure. europe in australia in brazil
0: it's just all over the place right i think the board travelogi was on was a hayden hayden, hayden shapes yeah. yeah hayden cox i think so yeah So that was cool. That is good. I'm glad to see that.
1: Cool. Well. So um, France starts the 26th, which is about a week away. I'll be
0: staying up throughout the middle of the night to watch that (laughs)
1: event. (laughs) I'll be watching Heats on Demand, I imagine. I've got the big boardroom show coming up here, so I'm
0: buried. You know, real quickly, too, while it just reminded me talking about Heats on Demand, one thing that I noticed with judging is how different the scores look when you're watching an event live Versus when you go back and watch it on demand, like if you when you're watching it live and things are unfolding, um, the scoring tends to make sense oftentimes. When you go back and just watch Kelly's best two waves versus Pat Gadowski's best two waves, it looks very different. You know when those waves are out of context and a score coming through at the beginning of the heat is often very different than if you had surfed that same wave at the end of the heat. They would have given it a different score. Um, Again, I don't have an answer to how to make all these things equal. But it's worth noting that um, it's hard to judge in hindsight. Yeah. Yeah. It's more equal to judge in hindsight and just isolate this wave versus that wave. But when you're watching it and you're caught up in the emotion of it and maybe the waves were pumping for the three heats prior and then, you know, you come into this heat and... Get a medium wave and get a six, but then nothing comes through for the rest of the the heat, you know? And so, um, well, um, you know, I think you're right. (laughs) Heat's on demand. You get a different vibe. You get a different feel for it. Um, just worth noting, you know, just, I don't, I don't know the solution, but I've noticed that that happens for sure. So,
1: all right. Well, look, um, until next time, right. I had asked you. Last time we got together to think about um, the top five greatest stories that have never been told Mm. in the surf world. So continue to chew on that. And if you guys have um, some thoughts on that, shoot us an email, surftalksandiego at gmail.com, surftalksandiego at gmail.com. And David's email is?
0: Hello at com, which is, of course, the website. You can go to surfsplendorpodcast.com. All the social media links are on there. And then, of course, past episodes are archived on there, too.
1: And real quick, don't forget the boardroom, October 5th and 6th, at the Orange County Fair and Events Center. We're honoring Terry Martin in the Icons of Foam Tribute to the Master Shape-Off presented by U.S. Blanks. So. Awesome. All right, David, until next time, um, we'll talk surf news, and we'll see you adios and aloha. Thanks.